Amen. So tonight, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 19. Uh, Matthew chapter 19, verses 3 through 6. So I want to minister tonight on the topic of marriage. Now, if you're here and you ain't married, I don't care. Listen up. Because, uh, well, marriage is, marriage is beautiful, even though there are maybe some that aren't so beautiful. And sometimes we ourselves as married Christians aren't so beautiful. But marriage itself was created and ordained by God. But also, God uses a godly marriage as an image of Christ in the church. So you can always take marriage in the biblical context and apply it to your relationship with Jesus Christ. We are the bride and he is the groom. Um, so if you ain't married, listen up. And if you, wanna, if you ain't married and you want to be married someday, you still should listen up because someday you'll need this. Uh, but to get things started, I thought I'd share with you guys some of the craziest reasons that I found on the internet uh, for divorce. So until death does us part, unless... A man divorced his wife because his w because the wife spent $42,000 on psychic hotlines. <laughs> that's, that's what I always think when, when I hear about stuff like that. Man, I wish I had $42,000 to blow on something like that. I mean, maybe not that, but, you know, I don't want to blow it, but I just want to have it. No, anyway. One woman filed divorce... Uh, Filed for divorce because her husband used too much toilet paper. She was a super thrifty coupon lady and would even listen when he was in the bathroom to see if he was using too much. Something tells me they didn't have $42,000 to waste on things. Uh, here's a good one. He didn't like Frozen. An anonymous 29-year-old woman reportedly divorced her husband after he told her about the movie Frozen, quote, I didn't really care for it personally. Did you really think it was that good? And then it was pretty much all downhill from there, according to her. Personally, I think that she should have just let it go. <laughs> A man filed for divorce because every morning his wife would ask him how he likes his coffee for seven years. Another reason... Uh, was because he loved his pinball machine collection more than he loved me. I mean, that's interesting. She filed for divorce because her husband smacked his lips when he ate and slurped his coffee and soup. She thought if she didn't divorce him, she'd end up going to jail for battery. <laughs> I, I, can't, I, don't know if I, can <laughs> I don't know if I can blame her on that one. That's that, that one's tough. Rashida Lucas divorced her husband, T.P., because... Uh, I didn't make his initials, guys. I'm just reading the story. Because, as she said on national television, he was just too nice. Chief uh, among Lucas's grievances were told that T.P. said, I love you too much, and that he was such a good cook that it had caused her to gain weight. Normally, though, I love you is not one of the things you would, that you should never say to your spouse. Uh, so these are, of course, crazy stories, right? That's why I share them with you. I want to break the ice a little bit on the topic of marriage. But marriage was created by God. However, over the course of time, the devil has convinced man to take marriage into our own hands. 
making it uh, solely governed by man. And when we take marriage into our own hands, we make it increasingly difficult for ourselves and reduce its value tremendously. But when we allow God to join us in marriage, or rather, not join us like be part of the party, but join us, he's the one who joins us together, and seek him through our marriage, something supernatural is created, something that, as Jesus says, no man can separate. Matthew chapter 19, verses 3 through 6 says, And the Pharisees came up to him, him being Jesus, and tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? And Jesus answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. So this evening I want to preach a sermon I've entitled, What God Has Joined Together. Let's pray. Father God, help us tonight. God, by your Spirit, Lord, speak to us clearly. God, help us, Lord, to see what you have for us. God, no matter where we're at, God, and if we have feel like we have a good marriage, a bad marriage, or no marriage, Father, that you would speak to us tonight, God, that we would relate, God, to your Spirit, God, to, to Jesus Christ, God, as the perfect groom, in Jesus' name. Amen. So first I want to speak on the issue of divorce. Divorce has become a bigger and bigger issue as time goes on, and it's only getting worse. I want to share with some statistics with you. Nearly 50% of all marriages in the United States will end in divorce or separation. Researchers estimate that 41% of all first marriages end in divorce. Uh, 60% of second marriages end in divorce. And 73% of all third marriages end in divorce. Every 42 seconds, there is one divorce in America that equates to 86 divorces per hour. 2,046 divorces per day, 14,364 divorces per week, which makes 746,971 per year. There are nearly three divorce. Uh, there are nearly three divorces in the same time it takes for a couple to recite their wedding vows, which takes about two minutes. So, in other words, for every marriage that's created, three die. The average first marriage that ends in divorce lasts about eight years, and there are five million nine hundred and seventy-five thousand seven hundred and sixty-eight divorces over the course of an average first marriage, which is eight years. The reasons, uh, common reasons given for divorce are lack of commitment at 73%. We argue too much at 56%. Uh, infidelity at 55%. We got married too young at 46%. I've had a lot of people tell me I got married too young. Look at me now. Unrealistic expectations, 45%. Lack of equality in relationship, 44%. And lack of preparation for marriage, 41%. I think 
probably 100% of people are not prepared for marriage, but you figure it out as you go. Marriage is under attack today. And this should be no surprise. Because as Christians, we should not be surprised when Satan attacks things that God created. God created marriage to be a beautiful experience between a man and a woman. I know, 2023, it's still true. If God made it to be good, then we can believe and expect that Satan will try to twist it. That's not just marriage, it's everything. If God made something to be good, then you can expect little Lucy to come along and try to twist it up. John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says, Then the thief, who is Satan, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is the contrast between Jesus Christ and Satan himself, is that Satan came only to mess things up, and Jesus came to restore the things that he messed up. His goal in our lives, the lives around us, is only to steal from us, to kill our souls, and destroy the life that God wants to give us as individuals. And he does this by attacking the good things that God made and tries to turn them into bad things. He's managed to change the way that we see marriage today in the world. And it's only getting weirder and weirder as time goes on. Something, uh, they've, we've changed marriage into something that is a government institution, government recognized and affiliated by law only. I mean, we're putting on ballots if this type of marriage is okay or if this type of marriage is okay, but nobody's allowing God to cast his vote. You see, man has tried to take control of something that they did not create. Something that, through the same, uh, something that through the same government can also easily be undone. You see, the government, as they take control of marriage and as they condone things within marriage that, that the Bible clearly uh, does not condone, I can tell you this, that is no real marriage. It is a counterfeit marriage. Because God created marriage and he created it to be a specific way. And God never intended it to be solely man-run or man-ordained. All this marriage certificates and, and, and going to the courthouse and stuff like that, God didn't create it that way. But in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, God says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. He doesn't mention anything about the government or signing papers, although in today's day and age, I would suggest you do that. But rather, a union ordained by God, a unification of two fleshes becoming one supernaturally by the power of God. And when a marriage is not just overseen by God, but ordained and governed by God, is when marriage goes beyond just a commitment but becomes a spiritual bond. Because as Jesus says, what God joins together cannot fail. Matthew chapter 19, verse 6 from our text, Jesus says, So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. 
marriage, when done in the eyes of God, is a spiritual act. It's not a legal unification. It's not a agreement that is put on paper that you have to go to see lawyers to undo. It is a spiritual commitment. This is so much more than just a, I love you, I love you too, let's take this to the next level type of thing. Although it is certainly that. Of course, marriage is the next level of a relationship. But marriage, when ordained and done God's way, is a miracle. Marriage is sacred. Marriage is God unifying a man and a woman spiritually, becoming one in a spiritual way. There is a blessing and a covering that God has for us that we cannot find in relationships outside of marriage. I've counseled uh, couples in the past who aren't married that should be married because they're acting like they're married and, and they say, Pastor, we need God to help us in our relationship. And I say, God's not going to help you in a relationship that he does not condone. If you want God's blessing in your relationship, you need to make your relationship right before God. God will not bless relationships that are outside of his will. Proverbs 18.22 tells us, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. I found favor when I found a wife because I didn't think I could do it. God help me. But if a man in the world finds a wife, he's happy, at least for a time. But when a Christian man finds a wife, he finds a good thing. And beyond that, he finds favor from God. You see, when marriage is centered around a husband's and wife's commitment, not to each other, but to God, and then to each other, then success is promised. Not a higher percentage chance, not a hoped for, but promised. Jesus says, what therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. It is only when we lose sight of that, uh, when we lose sight of this, that we stumble and begin to separate things. When a husband and a wife acknowledge God as the ordainment over their wedding and the entirety of their marriage and their lives, then God can release blessing and favor in our marriages. Uh, focus on the family article on marriage in uh, marriage success in committed Christians uh, shares this information. It says couples who regularly practice any combination of serious religious behaviors and attitudes, such as attending church nearly every week, read their Bibles and spiritual materials regularly, pray privately and together, take their faith seriously, not as a perfect, not living, not as perfect disciples, but serious disciples, enjoy significantly lower divorce rates than mere regular church members, and certainly better than the general public and unbelievers. Whether young or old, male or female, low income or not, those who said that they were uh, more religious reported higher average of levels of commitment to their partners, higher levels of marital satisfaction, less thinking and talking about divorce, and lower levels of negative interaction. The divorce rates of Christian believers are not identical to the general population, and it's not even close. 
being a committed, faithful believer makes a measurable difference in a marriage. Saying you believe something or merely belonging to a church surprisingly does very little for a marriage. But the more you are involved in the actual practice of your faith in very real ways, though submitting yourself to a serious uh, through submitting yourself to a serious body of believers, learning regularly from scripture, uh, being in communion with God through prayer individually and with your spouse and children, and having friends and family around us who challenge us to take our marriages seriously. The greater difference this makes uh, in strengthening both the quality and longevity of our marriages. Faith does not matter. Faith does matter. Sorry. Faith does matter. And the leading sociologi sociologists of family and religion tell us so. And so the word of God tells us that God brings us successful marriages. And even the statistics that we can look at, the hard evidence of the world show this to be true. So as married Christians, when we remain committed to God, we can find supernatural success in our marriages. But as Christians, when we remain committed to God, we can find supernatural success in our lives as a whole. God holds together so much more than just our marriages. And if we allow him to, God can be the factor that holds our entire lives together. Because God holds it all together and he works it all together. Not just our relationships, but our entire lives. Romans chapter 8 verse 28. One of scripture's greatest promises says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God. And to those who are called according to his purpose. God works all things together for the good of those who love him. This is a promise in Scripture that when we commit our ways to God, when we love Him, He works things together for our good. That when we live a life for Him, God works things out for us. This is a promise for our marriage, but it's also a promise for our parenting. It's a promise for our careers. It's a promise for our relationships. It's a promise for our finances. It's a promise for our entire livelihood because our text jesus says something he says what therefore god has joined together let not man separate he is of course speaking in the context of marriage but he also speaks in a general way because the reality is that god holds together so much more than just our marriages colossians chapter 1 verses 16 and 17 says uh, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. If you didn't catch it, that was a lot of all things. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. That sounds familiar, right? What God has joined together, let not man separate. And the word of God also tells us that in him all things hold together. 
That means if you imagine our life being a ball of, of uh, any scientist in here, positive neutrons, if you, know, if you know the basic science of magnetic pull, if you take a bundle of positive neutrons and try to put them together, they separate. So it's as if, it's as if our life is a bundle of positive neutrons and God's got them in his hand like this. Not just our life, but the world. Not just our world, but the universe. Not just our universe, but the entire galaxy. It says, in him all things were created. And all things are before him, and in things, I'm sorry, in him all things are held together. It's as if everything is only together because he holds it together. What God has put together, let not man separate. Because as soon as he lets go, All things work together for the good of those who love him. The same God who holds it all together. The same God who created it all. The earth, the stars, you and me. The same God who can move supernaturally in our lives and our circumstances. Some of us have situations in our lives and circumstances where we need the supernatural. Because the natural has fallen short. But we serve a God who can take the natural and supernaturally change it for our behalf because all things work together for the good of those who love him. The same God who also is a perfect gentleman and will not force himself upon us, but rather wait for us to ask him to move in our lives. You see, that's the, that's the hang-up. That's the catch. That's the thing that so many people in the world and even Christians in the church miss as they say, all things work together for the good of those who love him. Well, I love Jesus, but your life shows that to no regard. They say, if God is real, then how can this happen? How can that take place? Why is there famine in the world? Why are there people who are dying? Blah, blah, blah. All of these things. But the reality is that God is not going to force his way into our lives. If we want him to move, we have to move too. There's pain in the world because people reject God. Not because God rejects people. We have to be willing to let God move in our life. And when we are willing, nothing can get in the way of what God wants to do in our lives. When we give, every, I talked about it this morning, when we give every area of our life over to God and we completely put our life within his will is when he gives us what we need to succeed. Romans chapter 8, verse 31 through 39. This is one of my favorite portions of text in the whole Bible because it's so powerful. It says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will, it, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. And more than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of, uh, right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us? God is, Jesus Christ is praying for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress 
or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long and we are regarded as sheep to, the, to be slaughtered. No, in all of these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither life nor death nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, it's our choice. Is that what we want? Do we want all things to work together for the good of those who love him? For us, do we want to be in that category? God holds all things together. Do we want us to be in his hand that he's holding together our lives, structuring these things so that we can read a scripture like that and say, that's darn right. Nothing can separate me from the love of Jesus Christ. Come at me. Bring it. Because I got God on my side. He's holding my life together. Nothing can stop us from the love of Christ. And his call on our life except for us. But who can separate us from the love of Christ our Lord? Nothing. To live is Christ and to die is gain. They can take your life, but they can't take your soul. And when we realize, when we truly realize that nothing can separate us in our lives that nothing can separate us in our marriages, that nothing can separate us in so much more of our life, that there is nothing that man can do to us. There is nothing that man can bring against us. There is nothing that the world can say or do to us that can take us out of the hands of Christ. And this is the confidence that we have in Christ, that we can face the statistics of the world, that we can face generational curses, that we can face life and know that we serve a God that can defeat all odds. Psalm chapter one, uh, 118, verses 5 through 6. The psalmist writes, Out of my distress I called on the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear, for what can man do to me? That's the confidence we can have in God, in Jesus Christ. Not just in our marriages, but in our whole life. Let's bow our head and close our eyes this evening.